Hello, and welcome to the Core Build Podcast, where we believe aligning people and processes with purpose and value is the best way to create a thriving business. I'm your host, Frank Keck, and today I'm I'm really excited because you talk about a thriving business, and, and these guys built a thriving culture before culture was cool, before anybody really knew what it was, like Louis Pasteur era. I just made that up, George. I don't know what that means. I don't so either. please help me welcome our guest, Mr. George Brooks. Uh, yeah. So time for your um, 30 second spot. Tell us a little bit about uh, Crema Labs and kind of some of the stuff that you're doing. Oh gosh, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, so Crema started, we are celebrating 10 years this week. Aunt, congrats. So, so we have been, we've been, we are 10 years old, which is basically just in that awkward adolescence, like preteen phase. Um, and yeah, we are a design and development studio when it comes down to it, to it. Um, but we do a lot of strategy work up front with our clients. And so we started out working with a lot of startups in the early days, cause those are the guys that would take a risk on some kid designing stuff in his second bedroom. Right. And now we do work for some of the world's top consultants and massive engineering firms all over the world and um, mostly doing innovation projects and technology, um, helping build people build systems and processes to make their businesses better. Um, so my business partner and I formed up 10 years ago. Um, my background's in design. So I'm a designer by trade. I have no idea how to run a business. And so this is why I have a business partner, um, which I Smart. think everyone should do in some way. Um, but you do look really cool. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Right? I mean, I think I can at least fake it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So yeah, we've we've had a, a blast working together over the last 10 years. Cool. We basically said, what if we had the opportunity to build the company we wanted to work for? And um, that's what we've done. And I think to date, we've had you know, just so many things that we've said that's worked accidentally and ignorance is bliss and let's just not you know, not stop doing that as much as possible. I'll go with the positive. Let's keep doing that as much as possible. I love that. But it all started with, if we could work anywhere, what would we want it to be like? Right. Right. And, and then you went out to build that. Yeah. So I mean, so I remember the, I, we're, because we're getting ready to celebrate 10 years, I'm kind of retrospecting on the last 10 years, right. pretty active. So this is a great time to talk about it. Um, and going back to 10 years ago, having coffee with Dan at a Starbucks on Ward Parkway, um, and sitting down and saying, I think I accidentally started a, a business. Um, I was freelancing and he basically, um, he was finishing his MBA at Rockhurst and uh, he had all this knowledge that no one was ever going to use cause he worked in a corporate job. And, and I said, I actually want all that knowledge right now. Right. And, um, and I said, first go ask your wife if it's okay, if we work together and let's both go ask our wives cause we're friends. And, and then we said, okay, so what's this actually going to look like? And the first thing to give Dan credit, the first thing he did was he said, great, who was our mentors? Who are the people that Ooh. are going to speak into our organization? And so we immediately went out and found four, four great integral men that we trusted um, that immediately started speaking into it. And they didn't really talk much about business. They talked more about people and um, about how we should build a, a great organization for the long term. That and is really cool. Yeah, it was immediate. It was immediate. It was the first thing that Dan cared about. So how did you find the four? Hmm. Well, we did. We were looking for kind of, we wanted um, to make sure that we were checking a couple different boxes. And I want, let's see, were we being intentional or did that we just accidentally find this? I'll, I'll say we were being intentional because um, that sounds better. Um, we, we were looking for people that were definitely in different spheres of influence. Right. So we didn't want four mentors that all look the same. Um, so we found somebody who was in service because we were going to be a service agency. 
we found someone who was really good with finance. So we had a, um, a friend of ours who was in, um, did a lot of major financial consulting and um, wanted to really think about how we manage money well as a company. Um, we wanted someone who had been successful, um, who had been through it, had grown organizations or maybe was in a, a, a role of leadership. Um, and then one actually ended up kind of uh, phasing away, but the, really it ended up being those three. Mm-hmm. Um, and each one of them just brought something different to the table. Um, and I think that we knew all three of them through different spheres of influence. Um, Dan from his previous workplace. Um, one was a friend of mine who owned another product development agency, but more in the physical product space. So there's some parallels there, and but had been doing it for a long time. And then the other one went to our church. Um, just somebody okay. who we know really well and was a successful business men businessman, um, and so we we just kind of reached out and said, "Hey, we don't know what not to do yet, and so help us to think through this as quickly as possible." Um, and then really it went from there. Uh, we we started growing and um, slowly. That's the other thing is we grew, grew really really slowly. I mean, we could be much bigger. We're forty people right now, which is. Right. Feels like two thousand when payroll comes around, but <laughs> um, but it definitely you know we've we've paced it to the point where we could control the culture and make sure that we were building that company that we set out to do, which is the one we wanted to work for. Very cool. Now we did a program together mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, yeah, which was a lot of fun. It was, and you told a story to the group back then. Um, and I don't remember all the pieces to it, so I'm going to ask you to tell it again. Of course, now I got to find that story. But it was something to the effect of you've never fired an employee. Yes. So that has actually. So this is going to people. You're going to want to listen. They've never fired an employee at the time. We have since fired one person. Okay. But I think you know one of the challenges in culture, and when we go in to work with people, one of the first things I tell them is. You know, you're you've already got this company running, and now mm-hmm. you're developing your culture. Yeah, you're going to have some people that don't fit. Doesn't mean they're not good people. That's right. That's but right. They, but they just don't fit. And I think I really kind of learned that from you. So if you would just kind of talk to how you guys did that, and then what the update to the story that's intriguing. Yeah. So I think coming back to the fact that we grew really slowly, we Dan and I always had this rule for each other that we said if either one of us feels even slightly as though that the next person that we're getting ready to hire is not the, not a good fit for any particular reason, whether it's skills or culture um, or balance just for the company, um, then we'll walk away. It's okay. We don't have to hire the next person. And there's always that fear, especially if you're a growing company, that you have to hire this person or your company's going to fail immediately. Right. And so instead we hired really slowly. So we really handpicked each each person that came onto the team and we're still involved in all of the hiring processes. Um, now there's a lot more hands involved because mm-hmm. there's a lot more teams, but um, we still are involved in that hand, hand picking. So what we found is that it, when you take that time up front to initially really vet the people that are gonna come into the organization, then you start to get a sense of what, how is this person flourish? And a flourishing is a big word that we use a lot. Right. And we really want to make sure that we understand if a person is actually going to flourish at Crema. And so a few factors are, do you actually want to be at a place like this? Do you understand what a place like this looks like? Because it is different than a corporate job. It's Mm -hmm. different than maybe even a big agency or something else like that. Um, So we make sure that's very clear. The expectations are set very clear that this is what it's going to look like for you. And then vice versa, this is what we're going to expect from you. Um, And so what we found is you... I think I've heard every seventh person you hire is crazy. Um, just, just insane. Um, and it, or not the right person. Right. right. And I think that's probably about right. You know, after having hired over 50 some odd people, 
um, that about every seventh person you go, well, we maybe went a little too fast on that one. Right. Or we should have taken a second to really pause and look. Um, and most of the people did, that didn't end up staying with Crema um, were ones that we very quickly realized, you're just not flourishing here. Mm-hmm. This is either not the environment for you, it's not the pace for you, or um, it's just not the work for you. Um, right. And you could just tell they weren't happy. So what you tend to see is that people are, they find anything that's wrong. You know, so it's, I don't like the way you do X, Y, and Z. I don't like this person or I don't, and it, I don't think it's actually about those things as much as it's, you just, this isn't, you're not flourishing here. This isn't actually where you're going to be most happy. So what we pretty actively do is we have conversations around, is this really where you want to be? And if there's somewhere else you want to be, how can I help you get there? And so sometimes that means them kind of saying, you know what, actually I don't want to be here. And then they quit and they leave and they go on to their next venture. And we actually keep in touch with almost everybody who we've ever worked with. Um, and then more recently, um, we did have a situation where we had, um, a young man that joined our team and about three months in, um, we realized that, that this person, not only were they not flourishing, they were a great cheerleader, a great culture fit, right? Which is actually, that's hard. I think this made it even harder. But what we realized is they loved the culture more than they loved the work. Mm. And I think it has to be both. Um, and it's got to so be the balance. It has to be the balance. And so what was in it up happening is they were a great cheerleader. They loved the culture. They were always excited, but they were not delivering over and over and over and over and over again. And so um, we had some very honest conversations several times. And it really came down to, we think that you're going to flourish in a different environment where you can deliver. Right. You can find another culture like Crema, albeit biasly, maybe not quite as, quite as great, but um, you can find another place like this and one where I think that you're going to have a bigger impact and feel like you can contribute more because I think you're having a hard time figuring out how to contribute here. And so we had coached through that a lot and there was a certain point where we just said, no, this is time. Uh, let's make this this decision. So we went kind of by the book as far as the process of letting him go, but um, but what was awesome was he was he was blindsided. He didn't know that the actual firing was going to happen. Right. And um, so that was hard. We walked through the process. He laughed um, and he texted me about a week and a half, maybe two weeks later. And he said, hey, I never got a chance to follow up with you. I really have to thank you. Like the fact that you fired me lit a fire under me wow. to do better work. I'm so excited about what Krim is doing and maybe one day we can work again together. But this, that was the best thing that anybody could have done for me. That is very cool. Right. And so that even, even in a process of firing somebody, you have a culture that follows you outside of your walls. But you're helping him to flourish in That's his right. life. That's right. That's right. So they was able to kind of go on to, to really an organization that Geek is going to do great at. Um, so yeah, we're always kind of monitoring that. Um, and now that we're bigger, it's a little harder to monitor. Right. Um, so a couple things that we're having to do, some things I'm doing intentionally now, I'm not in any client work anymore, which is super weird being the guy that started in the second bedroom. Because the clients kind of loved you, right? That was the thing early on. Right. So we're looking back, we used to joke that people hire Dan and George and they happen to have this place called Crimalab. Right. And it's since we dropped the lab recently. So it, now it's since changed to, oh, you have to work with Crema. They're one of the most incredible agencies. They're, they're premium, but they're awesome. I think it's owned by these guys named George and Dan and that switch. That's kind of a cool switch. Oh, isn't I it? love that. I mean, that's Dan and I have had a mission over the last three to four years to basically replace ourselves, not to leave the court organization, but so that we're not the bottleneck of the organization. And, um, 
and I think that that was something that we've, we've seen is that we wanted to step back, let the autonomy of these incredibly brilliant people do their work, the work that they know how to do, equip them to be better at their jobs and at their crafts, and then uh, let them to flourish. And so now the only thing that I do more intentionally is I take, um, I do um, basically a lunch once a week with two people from the organization throughout the organ- whole organization, take them out to eat. And then I talk to them about what's going great that we can never lose. This is crema by definition. Right. What is something I can't see anymore? What's mm. something that I'm blind to because it's happening, you know, in a room or in a place where I'm, I'm just don't have the perspective anymore. We're in two locations now. We have two right. spots across the street. And so I can't, I'm not sitting in the same big room with everybody. And you uh, can't sit in the middle of the street. Uh, it would be awkward. I mean, yeah. I could try, but it would, it would be dangerous. Um, my wife probably wouldn't appreciate that. Um, <laughs> And then, and then, you know, then where are some things that we could, we can make crema better. Right. Um, and those lunches are so great because these are people I don't get to work with day in and day out because they're in doing their work with the client. Um, so just those little, those little follow-ups go a long, long way. So there's a couple of things that you said that I want to reiterate because I think they're really important. Number one, start with a vision. Here's what we want this to look like. Cause I think so many people don't have any idea we always ask them, so what does a successful culture look like to you? Yeah. And they've never thought about it. Mm-hmm. So that's hard to create. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love the flourish, yeah. right? And that was something that you had talked about before. Creating a culture of, hey, how do we help every person here to flourish? And sometimes that means helping them go someplace else to flourish. Yeah, yeah. But ultimately then the whole organization is going to flourish. And I love that word. And yeah. that's a word that we tie to you because we didn't really use that before. It's such a such a powerful word. I think it, it really is. It means more, so much more than like your job or yeah, maybe be successful, which is super relative. But what is flourishing is where you're you're being your best, where you are most fulfilled. I mean, like there's so many words. There's so much richness in the word flourish. Yeah, and then um, the other thing, and so I, I'm going to ask you to dig into this a little bit. Mm. So to be able to have a conversation with an employee to say gosh, you know, you're just, you're, you're not flourishing mm. and you're not a fit really take some vulnerability, right? It's hard. How do you create that vulnerability in your organization just to be able to have some of those conversations, like to be yeah. able to get yeah. people to open up to you to say, gosh, George, here's what you're missing. You know, cause a lot of times you ask, well, what am I missing? And yep. they don't want to make you mad. So they tell you what, they think you want to hear. So how do you do that? I think that, you know, it starts literally with the first interview because Dan and I, so the way that we do our interview process is that there's a vetting call and application process. And then we do pretty quickly, we do an interview where you meet with Dan and I for just 30 minutes, but that whole 30 minutes is a series of questions that we're trying to get at the heart of the person, not necessarily at the skill, because I I have a harder time rating the skill the further apart, the further away I get from the daily work. Mm-hmm. And so we're rating the person of, um, again, profile, integrity, um, willingness to learn, coachability, those types of things. And then they go meet with the team where they actually get to talk to practitioners. And I think in that early stage, we open up very quickly, ask us questions. What do you, what do you want to know about us? Where right. do you want to go with, where do you think we're going? What do you want to know about where we're going? And so we give that, that sense of transparency is as early as possible. Um, and then transparency, I'm, I, while I love the concept of transparency, I think it's just an overused term. So it's kind of lost its effectiveness. Right. 
and I don't know what else word, what other word to replace it with, but it still is about that. That vulnerability is maybe a better word actually, um, to say we really do value your input into is this a place for you? How are we doing? Mm-hmm. How can Crema be better? Because the majority of the organization is not Dan and I. We're just two guys out of forty people, um, and so we only have one one set of perspectives. Now we have influence, of course, because of our roles, but we only have so many perspectives. So um, even in the first lunch, when somebody gets hired, we take them out to lunch the first day. Um, Dan and I, and usually the direct who will be might there be direct um, mentor or, or supervisor, and we talk about that. We say, "Here's the deal: it's going to feel super uncomfortable." But I, we legitimately mean it when we want you to tell us what you think, to be open to making crema better, to come back to us with ideas. And so it's just, it's cracking that nut of, I'm, I have to retrain your brain. Right. Because, um, oh, uh, one of my developers who's now a director of, um, or a chief, what do we call him? Gosh, titles are not my gift. Um, a architect, a technical architect. So like a head developer. Okay. He, he said when he got hired, he came over for another agency and they're a great agency, do good work, but they're very regimented mm-hmm. and very, um, you know, 60, 70 hour a week type place. And he said, it took me 90 days to onboard to Crema. I was like, why? Tell me more about that 90 days. And he said, it was 90 days before I was reprogrammed to not think like a beaten dog. And I said, like a beaten dog, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> he goes, it's not that they were abusive, but they, they were definitely strong handed. And so I was so used to being under this magnifying glass or under this pressure, right? you know, that when I came to Crema and you really meant that you wanted feedback, you really meant that you trusted my autonomy. You really meant these things that it took me 90 days before I really understood it. And so it's, it just is a constant reminder so that by the time you have, start to have these honest conversations coming back to your question. So you, by the time you get back to these honest conversations, it's not a surprise because there's been a dialogue from the very first introduction to the company. So I see that you're still growing too, because I think before you guys did weekly check-ins where you would send out a survey to all your employees and we, say, yep, still do that. But now that you're taking people to lunch, it's just yes. And right. We also do both. But I love that because that's that personal contact Mm -hmm. that sometimes people will open up to you. Yeah. But I love that that's a way that you can now stay in touch with people. Well, and then, and then we oftentimes get to talk about what they've been putting in their 15, five. So in their, in their, their messages. So, um, they have their one-on-ones through their supervisors or through us. If they report up to, to my, to me or to Dan or Matt, um, but this is this is a lot more informal. It's not a one-on-one. It's kind of a one. I usually take them in pairs. So they mm-hmm. can have a conversation amongst themselves. I think the hardest part is that we're in a season where things are so great that I kind of have to pull teeth to find things to make better. Right. Which is, I mean, I'm, I'm, all companies are like, shut up. And I don't, you know, we're, we're you know, we've, somebody wants to sue us or something. And we just, we're into this, this, this season of flourishing that everybody's really feeling great about the work that we're doing feeling very optimistic, albeit there's still things to improve on. Um, I have to really go, let's, okay, there's gotta be scratch at the surface. What's underneath that maybe you, you wouldn't bring up, but now let's go a little deeper. Um, where, where can we make sure that we're really improving? And then it'll be minor things. So it's no longer big issues, right? Cause now we're dealing with minor ones, but we're being proactive rather than reactive. I love that. And, and it helps you to 
to have a um, to go deeper, you've got to be more open, mm-hmm. open and vulnerable. Yeah. So which you, I am to a fault. So that's pretty easy for me. <laughs> it you're you're um, one of the things that I've been really focusing on lately, and it sounds like you guys have it nailed, which mm. is really neat to me. Is uh, a mind you know what's your mindset and and it's either scarcity or abundance mm-hmm. and I don't know if you guys have kind of gotten into that very much. We've talked about that. We've had seasons of scarcity yeah. or seasons of abundance. I think we're I would say we're in a in a really healthy middle place right now um, where there's definitely a hunger because mm-hmm. that's what I, I'm actually most uncomfortable when I'm really comfortable. Yeah. Um, so when I get when things get really good, I get a little antsy because I think wait a minute this is too good. It's kind of like when the economy is great, everybody's waiting for it to crash. Right. <laughs> so then they'll actually say, well, it's going to crash. Right. And so and to a certain extent, you're kind of preparing for that. And I'm preparing for the fact that we're an agency. Our business does go up and down. Sure. Albeit if you look at year over year trend, it's up and it's always been up, but like in between there, that line is just bouncing all over the place for, you know, whether it's payable or, you know, accounts receivable or, you know, just making sure that things are coming in at the right time, that the sales pipe is loaded up exactly. I mean, it's an art and a science. It's not always perfect. And so there is some stress that comes with that. But how do you make sure there's there's a balance of both that sense of the scarcity and that we haven't arrived yet. Right. But the flourishing or the abundance of we have it pretty great. And this is an incredible culture. This is an incredible place. Let's celebrate that and be thankful for that. But we're not there yet. Yeah, and so when I say abundance, sometimes people think, well, that abundance means too much. For me, what I've learned is scarcity is, well, I'm driven by fear. Mm. We're never going to have enough, right? We could go we could go belly up tomorrow. Our yeah. competition's going to take everything away, right? Yeah, I'm going right. to lose everything tomorrow. I'm going to wreck my car or whatever it is. And I lived in that for so long and then I see what you mean. have been conditioned to focus on well, you know what? Look at all these blessings that I have. What yeah. are all the things that I'm grateful yeah. for? Doesn't mean that I don't still have challenges, but now I don't look at a challenge and go, yeah. oh, well, I'm going to lose everything. It's yeah. now, okay, hey, that's an opportunity to get better. Yep. And that's what I hear coming from you guys is accurate. we've got a lot of stuff going well. We can't rest on our laurels. That's but right. Let's keep, let's be grateful for what we have. And let's build on that for the future. So that's what we talk a lot about with celebrating is yeah. that celebrating is a huge part of our culture, whether it's, um, we pop champagne every time there's a big release for a client or, um, we, you know, every, t- even when somebody leaves. So one of my, one of my mobile developers just recently left to go to his dream job. So I'm so cool. excited for him, but he's been with me for a long time. It was a, it was an emotional leaving. And we always throw a party for them. Usually it's like a lunch, you know, and it's themed some way that's something around the the employee themselves. And so it's always a sense of celebration about what's next. And so celebrating is a huge part. And I think that goes back to your abundance. How do we celebrate where we've been blessed? We were blessed to be able to work with this guy for such a long time. Mm -hmm. He's getting blessed to go on to the next um, chapter of his story. And, And we're not... We, we have been ever changed by him being a part of it. Um, so I love that language. I love that a lot. I just, it's really cool to see somebody who's doing that in everything that they do. Like mm-hmm. even the person that you guys had to help go somewhere else. Yeah. It was an abundance mindset of, hey, let us help you to go find where you are flourishing. And so I think that the flourishing piece, I mean, that word really fits in with abundance of let's, hey, let's go, let's focus on creating yeah. what we want. And you guys started that way from the very beginning. 
We did. We actually um, we looked up to another company here in Kansas City, um, Dimdeco. Um, yeah, which is an incredible organization. Dave and Demi, um, they they have done some incredible work, um, both building a culture. Honestly, if you haven't talked to them, they're incredible culture thinkers. And one of the things that they talked a lot about, or one of the things they set an example for is 2007, 2008, which is about a little bit before when we started and the economy's doing great at this point. Um, and you know, so they had to lay off some people, right. quite a few people and they're, I don't know, remember they're about maybe three or 400 people now, maybe 500 people now, but they were about two to 300 people at the time. So they laid off a lot of people, you know, people weren't buying home goods or anymore. But what they did is they literally set up a staffing agency inside of their organization wow. and found every single person that they laid off a job. And then when the economy came back, they hired back a huge percentage of those people. And talk about building a culture where you want people to flourish. Um, literally by you expensing the, the effort and time and, and finances to go find people jobs that aren't with you because you have to, that's incredible. Um, and that we've never had to, had to do that, but I, I could, I would hope that we'd have that mindset of really wanting to, to serve people in any way we can. I love that. So, you know, we, we talked to a lot of people about, and when people think about creating intentional workplace culture, they think about, you know, thanks to Dr. Covey, mm-hmm. vision, mission, yep. and values. Yeah. And we haven't mentioned those three words yet. Yeah. But you guys really started with a vision of, hey, what do we want this to be? Like, if we could create the best place for us to work, yeah. what would that look like? Yeah. We talk about alignment all the time. Let's go find people who are aligned, mm-hmm. right? That have a similar belief system, not necessarily faith, but a similar yep. belief yep. from a values perspective, because yep. you're going to work the best together. So you guys are doing that. What I love is all the things that you've talked about fit a certain set of values. Do you guys, have you said, hey, here's our values and oh, we yeah. speak them? Oh gosh, yeah, it's just nonstop. So we talk a lot, I mean, a mission statement, you know, turning good ideas into great product experiences. That's kind of the core as to who Crema is and what we do. Um, but on our vision side, it's more of a people-focused thing. So both internally and externally, we believe that design and technology basically can make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and then when you get down into our actual values, that's really, we, it's funny, we don't have them on the walls. We don't have them, you know, plastered all over the place but it's just laced in absolutely everything we do. And I have, yeah. a, I have a story that kind of tells where I think the team gets it. Cool. But our, our values come back to, I'm gonna, now I gotta make sure I get these all right, right? Dan would go, he would be cueing me here on the side. <laughs> um, so trust, collaboration, constant improvement, um, and generosity, and it's always the last one that I, I blank on. I'll come back to it. Yep. I should know it off the top of my head. I, this is something I was talking to my wife recently about is that I'm, I'm have this like fear of losing my memory right? because I, I'm shoving too much things into my head that I start to lose things. But, and I'll come back to it as I start to tell the story. So, um, we had it the, in January of this year, I guess in December of last year, one of our, two of our employees came to us and we've been doing these lab Fridays. So every other Friday we dial down all client work so that we can work on internal projects. And it was mostly just continual education, getting better, learning on things. And um, basically, what two of the employees came to us and said, this is great, but it doesn't have any structure. And we're not exactly sure what we're supposed to be working on, and people kind of working on stuff, but we like it. It's cool. Don't take it away. But we want to make it more. So they put together this like business proposal for what became Venture Lab. And Venture Lab was basically the ability to pitch ideas, pitch company ideas or product ideas, 
and then to recruit teams internally and then actually carry through with using those every other weeks to create a product effectively in seven days, um, which is the how many days they would have in, in these semesters. And in there, it came back to, they literally through the whole proposal, it was like, we believe this is the right thing to do because this is about us constantly improving and what we, who we are. And we think this is a generous thing to do for the employees and for our clients because they're going to get access to new technologies. And we think that through collaboration and they just, the whole thing was laced with our Very values. Cool. And it's pretty normal that the team will come back and say, Oh, this is where they'll have a meeting and somebody will stand up and it's like, that is because of our, our desire to be generous. And it's, it, it's just part of the everyday language that um, the team is using it. Um, so yeah, it's it is it's just laced with again. We don't have it plastered in the walls, um, right? Which there's some value in that. I, I can see that. Maybe I'd remember the fifth one if I'm, <laughs> my brain's just now swimming, going, which one did I forget? I know that I, um, I know I really feel like I need to go back and find it. So I said, collaboration, constant improvement, generosity, trust. Trust is what it is. Trust. Okay. So um, and again, those coming together. Um, I've really defined the way that we think not about our internal culture, but how we treat our clients, how we treat our community, um, how we be a company in Kansas city, how we be a company that supports remote employees and all those things come back to the values. And what's interesting, even though you couldn't remember the word, I got to it. I did. When I think about you and just from our relationship, getting to know each other, I would say those four words describe who you are. It, they're definitely, they, they, I, Right. So you guys yes. have a business that you don't have to like, okay, I'm going to work. So I got to put on put my on values. Yeah. Right. It's just, Hey, this is who we are. And, I wish and it so was you can live it often. and breathe it yeah. every day. That's, that's what we're trying to help people to go towards is just you, you work in a place where it's, it just fits. Like it's like a nice comfortable jacket. It's, I, I love that analogy. Um, and I think partly there is a lot of Dan and I's worldview are, is la- wrapped into that. We don't push it hard in our right. organization. Um, we joke that we like, we had somebody apply and they said, are you a Christian organization? This is explicitly what she said. And I said, what do you mean by that? <laughs> and she goes, you know, like Hobby Lobby or Chick-fil-A. I was like, there's nothing wrong with that, but no, we're not at all like that. But you're um, not open on Sunday. This is true. This is very true. Uh, mostly because I like to lay on my couch on right. a Sunday afternoon. Um, no, but I think it is. I mean, when we talk about flourishing, that's language we get from our worldview. Right. When we talk about, um, I, won't, I don't often go into this, but when I talk about um, the four-part gospel, for me, the four-part gospel actually structures how I think about our client engagements, how I think about our team and I don't know if you know the four-part gospel is basically ought, is, can, will. C.S. Lewis came up with this framework, and which is that creation, fall, um, redemption, and new creation. And what's awesome about ought, is, can, will is what would what would this project or what would this employee engagement or what would this company look like if it was perfect? Like there was nothing wrong with it. Right. Okay, we'd be generous to each other. We would be collaborating all the time. We'd be constantly improving and wanting to become better, which is much like the garden was. I'm going to use, I don't, just for my framework. But it's not actually like that. So ought is, it is broken. It is flawed. We do have constraints of budget or time or personalities Mm -hmm. or egos or whatever that is. There, There are blockers. The world is broken. It can be redeemed. We can have this project get back to where it's the best, most optimal project possible. 
Now, of course, in the gospel, that would be through Christ, but it's, it's definitely using that same framework to say, oh, interesting. It's not perfect. We have constraints. We have things that are holding us back. That's reality. But how, what could it still be like? And then the will, so ought is, can, will, what will it be like? So if we could bring it closer back to the ought, if we could bring back to the kind of new creation, if we can go back to making a company as close to the perfection of, as possible, wouldn't that be awesome? That is very good. Cool. So I love that. Framework. It's a framework. And it's simple. It's simple. The four-part gospel. And you can apply it to everything. And again, we don't, we don't talk about that much. Nobody, right. I, I doubt my employees even know that's something I think what Dan and I think about, but um, it's something that is involved in all the language and all the ways that we're thinking and, and what Dan and I, you know, behind closed doors talk about a lot. I love that. And thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that here. Yeah, of course. Right? That's just that it's a, a piece of it's who you are. It's a part of who I am. Yeah. Yeah. If you could leave uh, the audience with one thought, mm. not that we need necessarily one more because there's been such rich things that you've shared today, but if you just leave people with one thought. I think, I think more people, Dan, I, Dan does, I always kind of throw it back to Dan. He's, he's really good with these kind of language frameworks, but um, it's a lot of people think, well, if we could all, just all be nice, that'd be great. I don't really like that. I think he switches it to saying, if we could all be kind. Mm. And um, I think that, that that goes back to, again, to our values. If we were all being intentionally generous to each other, where we were thinking about the other person more than we were thinking about ourselves. Um, and for leaders specifically, um, <laughs> for lack of better words, get out of the way. Yeah. Um, get out of the way, and then your job is to block and tackle and to clear things for your team. Um, and that's really all you need to do. I had a lunch with um, some other owners actually in the crossroads area. We had this crossroads lunch and we went around. The, the question was asked if you had one hour a day that you could work and you could only work for one hour, what would you do in that one hour? And I thought it was brilliant to, to come back and say, um, to basically say uh, the one hour that I would spend is by listening to my team mm-hmm. with whatever they have going on. So whether it's that lunch or it is a a one-on-one or it's just maybe hearing celebrations, listening, and then being able to be there to say, okay, what do you need cleared out of your way? And then all I have to do is to help them make that one big decision that maybe they're blocked or they can't move forward without having a decision made. And then I'm just here to help you make a decision to move forward because sometimes you just need somebody to just do it. Um, And so listening and then just helping people move forward. I love that. That's the same philosophy we have with our kids, oh, right? Good. You have to live your life. Right. We're just here to help you to do that. That's right. Right. We've been given this gift of having, it's just being to be your parents. We're but just guides. That's we exactly can't force right. force you to do anything. That's yeah. right. But you maybe not following our footsteps on some things. Well, that's so but true. Very they, true. Sometimes they have to, well, they always have to learn it on their own. <laughs> that's so true. So yeah. this has been wonderful. Thank uh, you very such much. Such a pleasure. I've learned a lot. I'm looking forward to going back and listening to it. Me too. Because there were several really key things that I'm going to take away and share with our clients as we go forward. Awesome. Because I just think I, I think there are some really important things there. So I'm going to reach for my paper and do our outro. Good. And that lets everybody know that we're finishing up. So this wraps up an incredible session of the Core Build podcast. Thank you to our guest, George from Crema. So I didn't know you changed it. So we're sorry about that. Keeping it simple. Yeah, I love that. And thanks to our listeners for joining us. Want to hear more? Subscribe to the Core Build podcast on iTunes 
Share it with your friends, colleagues, enemies, maybe even people that you want to come work for you or if you're looking for a job. Join us next time when we talk to another influential leader about how to create a thriving business.